0: Hi, this is David Schwartz. I'm a law professor at the University of Wisconsin, and you are listening to The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation.
1: Hi, I'm Robin Renee, and this is The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation.
2: And I'm Wendy Sheridan, and welcome to episode 121. We are still exploring this season's theme of freedom. We've talked about primordial freedoms, freedoms in sex and relationships, and the cost of freedoms. Today, I interview professor of law at the University of Wisconsin, David Schwartz, about what freedoms are specifically guaranteed by the U.S. Constitution, how these freedoms came about, and what we can do as individuals to ensure these freedoms aren't taken away. But before that, we're going to get comfy and snuggle up inside the blanket fort to talk about the current state of the pandemic.
1: So uh, it's time to check in. How
2: have you been doing? How was your fortnight? (laughs) (laughs) I guess it was pretty good. My housemates, my children who moved in, I guess, almost like 10 months ago because uh, their lease, their, their landlord sold their house that they were renting and they had to move and they didn't have any place to move. But anyway, they are away for this week. So I've had the house to myself for, well, me and my spouse have had the house to ourselves for a few days, which has been very nice. They also found an apartment and... They accepted the deposit and they'll and they'll be moving in in May so we're gonna be empty nesters again and nice. <laughs> I am looking forward to that and I think and they'll be close by too right oh so yes they're of, they're but but literally worlds, yeah. they're literally like 10 blocks away I mean my spouse says we're it's like three or four blocks but those are like the long New York blocks three or four right, it's right. it's about a mile maybe nice yeah, like a yeah. little less than a mile away. So we're, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure she's going to be really happy not to be living with her parents anymore. So,
1: right. It sounds like a mutually positive. Oh, one. yes. Yeah. And she'll have all
2: her stuff, yep. you know, out of the storage unit and, you know, everything. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. She won't be like trapped in a room. <laughs> but, <we, laughs> you yeah, know, but we've had all of the animals to deal with on our own, and her dog really misses her. I mean, she likes us well enough you know, you've met that dog.
1: Yes.
2: (laughs) That dog is a very friendly dog. She's very sweet. Absolutely. (laughs) But she misses her mom. Grandma's not uh, quite good enough. Right. All right. So what about you? (laughs) Me? Uh,
1: Things are growing here. Like actually literally growing. So I'm like, oh, I have to get out in the yard and do stuff now. (laughs) So, but that's good. You know, I've just been, I've been overwhelmed, but, determined to enjoy life so I'm taking breaks and just enjoying stuff I went out for a walk on April Fool's Day and my friend and I decided to to dress like fools
0: and so we <laughs> dressed up
1: all really ridiculously with like bright colors and stupid hats and it was fun. <laughs> it was just like a simple joy you know oh, so, that's awesome yeah yeah so you know other than that yeah. I'm just doing geeky things online and whatever I don't feel like explaining
2: (laughs) yeah I yes same here (laughs) I mean I could go into I could go into how you know when you get to a certain age and home and a certain level of home ownership you're excited to go to the hardware store to buy new rakes because that's what we did over the weekend you know okay Uh, I got rakes and, and a new, and a new pruning scissors. So Those, what... these things are important. So, I know. Yeah, I get it. But... <laughs> it sounds
1: funny, but it's kind of true.
2: I'm all excited. I have a new rake. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's so funny. Well, thanks for checking in, Wendy, with me. I always like that this <laughs> sort of getting connected, getting reconnected. And, you know, we also want to tell our listeners that you can catch a new episode of the Leftscape every other Wednesday. So, subscribe to the show on our website, leftscape.com, or find us wherever you get your podcasts and make sure you sign up for automatic downloads so you don't miss a show. And we know that many more of you have been listening lately and that it's just it's making us very happy. So, yeah, thank you. It's really thank cool. you for being thank here. You.
2: Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Leftscape. You can check out our show notes on the website, which features links for you to follow our show guests and to get more info on topics we discuss. And while you're on our site, please don't forget to sign up for our monthly-ish newsletter, The Leftscape Lookout. Your downloads, likes, follows, and subscriptions really, really help us grow. And if you want to go one step beyond, please leave us a review. If you can, give us five stars and a few kind words wherever you listen. Yes,
1: and on Patreon, supporters can listen to our latest exclusive, we should be recording this segment, which is Bad Advice, where we discuss toxic positivity, spiritual bypass, cultural appropriation, and how oversimplification of ideas and practices remove context and can cause more harm than help. That was actually a really good discussion. I really yeah, do was. hope you check that out. It is worth your dollar a month or more. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you can join Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. And if you join at higher levels, you can receive exclusive swag discounts and invitations to events that we are planning to hold in the future. That is going to be a reality. Absolutely. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we need your support to continue to improve the podcast. We, we really do appreciate everyone who supports the podcast now. So thank you and
2: thank you future supporters. Yeah. And now it's time for three random facts and the news. (laughs) Okay. Uh, My first random
1: fact. Ozzy and Drix is an American animated television series based on the 2001 film Osmosis Jones. It centers on Osmosis Ozzy Jones, a street smart white blood cell and Drix, a stoic cold pill who battled germs and viruses inside the body of a teenage boy named Hector Cruz. So I put this fact here because I always I always liked the show and I could never remember the name of it. And so I was sitting here going, what was the name of that show? Damn it. And then I remember Osmosis Jones finally. And I said, but that was, it was different. And so I put it here so I
2: could remember. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. I have was- questions. So uh, is it available for streaming? is it available now like i'm not even
1: sure let me see it it okay. um, it was on kids wb and then it also was on cartoon network where i watched it so that would be a, that's a, that's the next question i'm going to have to uh have to look into where where you can see it now probably yeah. you know like a lot of times i find things on youtube but if it's like official somewhere um, that really, would be cool to review. Cause like sometimes you, I really like a show and then I go back and watch it. And I'm like, that was really <laughs> stupid. <laughs> so I wonder how it would be now, you know? Yeah. Know. Well,
2: it's also, it reminds me just from the description of the anime cells at work, which I have been pushing to people, go watch this. If you want to know about the immune system. And there's a sequel series. That's at more adult, which I found on Crunchyroll. And they also, you can also read manga cells at work code black and it's the body is like this middle-aged guy who doesn't take care of himself and oh, has erectile no. dysfunction and all kinds of crazy things i actually think he got a he was uh he was having sex and got a v and got vd i'm oh, not wow.
1: sure <laughs> so they have like adult themed uh, uh yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> interesting that sounds like a cool show so what is your fact
2: my so fact is this past weekend the Kanamara Matsuri began at Kanayama Shrine in Kawasaki, Japan. And I think we've talked about this before, but not quite in this way. Yep. Kanamara Matsuri roughly translates to Festival of the Steel Phallus and is more commonly known as the penis festival. The festival centers around the Shinto god Kamiya Hiko and the goddess Kanayama Hine deities associated with the metallurgic arts and sexual health revelers at the festival traditionally include sex workers seeking protection from disease and in more modern times has grown to include the lgbtq group seeking sexual blessings and also married couples praying for fertility and healthy children the event features phallic imagery reflected in works of art Edible treats, I'm always for edible penis treats, those are fine. (laughs) Hats, puppets, costumes, and a parade of portable shrines bearing sacred penis-shaped objects. The Kanayama Shrine also donates proceeds from the festival to research into HIV AIDS. And this is basically informally. if I'm ever going to Japan, I have to go in April so I can hit up this festival and check that it out that sounds
1: really cool i think is there a pussy festival too i think
2: there may be there very well may be. and,
1: yeah, yeah. and <laughs> this is cool though i like it
2: because <laughs> i i kind of remember bringing this up probably a couple of you know like april's before the pandemic On this podcast because this is you know when when this goes by my feet i have to talk about it because it's you know penises yeah and and we're all you know it's my inner 13 year old is just (laughs) delighted (laughs) by this so (laughs) that's
1: very cool and i like the fact that it has some serious it it, it actually does some good and works for research yeah 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 and and is more inclusive and all that so that's that's pretty pretty fun. <laughs> so I have one more fact for you today. And this is not quite random because it's kind of a, uh, a rewind in a way. Our question from our listener last time was about why people eat ham and turkey at Christmas, I guess, or at the holidays. Why we eat the same meals
2: at, this, at Thanksgiving and, and Christmas. Yeah.
1: Right. And we, we weren't sure about the origin of some of it. So this says the Christmas ham also known as the Yule Ham, comes from an English tradition that in turn began with the Germans who wanted to appease the god Frere. Hmm. So Frere was the god of fertility, harvest, and boars, and also peace, prosperity, virility, and sunshine. That's a lot of stuff. Um, <laughs> so this was a pagan tradition, and paganism is the source of many traditions in Christianity, including Christmas trees, which we know that
2: yeah, that's true. <laughs> you, the so, listener, may not have known that until just now, but... <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. I should not assume things. <laughs> yeah, so
1: that was an interesting... I didn't know about the Christmas ham or why that was or anything. So, and it also wasn't very prominent in my family, so I didn't yeah. think about it. So,
2: interesting. Yeah. And now, here's all the news we can handle. The news out of Ukraine this weekend has just been horrific and awful, and 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 I have a you know there will be a link on the website to a summary of what's going on there. Uh, I think it's updated every day. This is from the the Guardian. The town of Bukha, which is 35 miles north of Kiev, is a site of mass executions. They found mass graves there. They found a lot of bodies that. Show signs of torture, and it's and they're all like civilians, and it's it's terrible. And this morning, which is Monday, Linda Thomas Greenfield, the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, has asked the General Assembly to remove Russia from the Human Rights Council. That's sort of like a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we have this this body, this political body that's supposed to uh, bring all of the countries of the world together. It's not a very, you know, I guess people would like it to be a little more effective than it is, and but this is something that that needs to just happen. It's sort of a joke that Russia is on a human rights council right now. You know, that the fighting there isn't done, and the stuff they're finding after the Russians leave an area, and then the Ukrainians go back in to see what happened, it's not helping what I guess could be called the peace process, or or their negotiated their negotiations for the cessation of hostilities, yeah, it's been really awful, and I feel very bad about the whole thing. I
1: have it's to not- say that I've been I've been I've been a little bit avoidant of the news, or I've been trying to take care of myself and not be inundated with it. I guess it's what mm-hmm. it is, and it's actually good to hear it. And and to process it a little bit right now because I'm getting really emotional and it's like, yeah, this is this is, there's a lot happening and this is, huge and it's and it's real and it's, uh, yeah, oh, it's deep, yeah. I've heard some things about like the, quote unquote peace negotiations. Like some people, think they're legitimate. Some people think that Russia may is maybe buying some time to like find another approach or figure out how they want to because one way or the other, they want to spin this, like they're winning when they're, they're, they're causing a lot of damage, but they're not really winning, you know, it, it seems. And, yeah. Well, and causing a lot of harm, just devastation, but, you know, it's this weird balancing act between like trying to work out negotiations and also being prepared for what might be next in terms of the next, where the next front will be, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, <sighs> It's something I wish that wasn't happening, you know. But we're gonna, you know, we're gonna do what we can, I guess, and and hopefully uh, we're not. <laughs> hopefully they'll leave the nukes alone.
1: Yeah, please. That would be wise for yeah. all the world. Yeah, <sighs> I mean, I know,
2: I know. There's people who are who are busy worrying about this. And one of my earliest memories is the Cuban Missile Crisis. So the the threat of nuclear destruction has been with it's sort of like been a background anxiety since i was five so (sighs) anyway i i do feel for if you're a young person who's having their first time nuclear anxiety really go talk to some older people because we've all lived through this a few times
1: Mm -hmm.
2: the logical part of my brain is saying that it's not going to happen but the other parts of my brain going well you know these people are crazy so, right <laughs> well so one of the weird just
1: the weird things about the world i guess this <laughs> sounds like an, it's going to be like some really profound fact but it's not um just that there's so much happening and there's and there's things that are like the world could blow up tomorrow and there's also like really great things like workers uniting and doing things positively um, you know, for their well being and for, for workers in general. And that's good. And there's lots there's always good things happening too. So I try to like remember that and <laughs> and and know that I really try to see all these things at once and it's not easy. But but yeah, so the good thing about <laughs> this the next piece really is though that Amazon workers have uni- unionized in New York. And that was actually a really, really Yay. big deal.
2: Yes. I was very happy to see that. Yeah. And apparently the the organizer is a is somebody that got fired from Amazon previously. Right. I think he tried to do it once before and
1: got fired or something like that. Something Um, like that. You know, but it's so it's the first union in the 27 year history of this company. And it was, you know, it was in Staten Island at a facility known as JFK eight. And there were like 2,654 votes in favor and 2,131 against. So it's... It was not a landslide. No. That was close. That's like a nail biter. Yeah. And it's... I'm I'm always fascinated by what people are convinced of that are against unions. Because it seems to me like it's kind of... It feels obvious to me that you'd want to be able to have sway like it it, as group as a group but i think a lot of people feel like you're they're paying dues for no reason or i don't know they get told a lot of things about it
2: well it's also i believe amazon was uh, because that's this uh, this has to be from an old john oliver episode from earlier this year or last year late last year where the companies put up all these posters talking about you know the the downside of having to pay union dues and all this stuff. And, and, and yeah. I think some, I mean, I think one of them, is this
1: the one uh, I'm getting them confused. I know there was a place, one of the Amazon um, facilities where they did a vote. This might be it this because the be first it. one was voided because they felt that the company put undue pressure on people. Like there were some issues with the, the actual mm-hmm. vote, you know? So but yeah, and I know this is cropping up in other companies, like Starbucks and other places. So it
2: there was a lot of union busting in the Reagan era, and right. it continued. I mean, Reagan is the one that broke. I think it was the air traffic Airline. controllers. Yeah, yeah. And unions got a lot of bad press in that time frame, which I think kind of gave the general population a shitty view of unions. Mm. But. I was only. I've only been in one union, and it was fine. My daughter is in a union now because she's a municipal employee. She works for the library here, and oh. you know they send her stuff constantly, and all of these thing, these nice nice little benefits that you know we didn't. You know, it's like her retirement. It's all this other stuff. It's all through her union, and they they That's send cool. a lot of yeah. information, and and they are very responsive. You know, it's your local union where you work, especially if something is forming right now, like if you vote in a union, it's like that's going to be very responsive to the employees there because it's a little, it's like a little miniature, almost a bureaucracy-ish kind of thing. And I know that word gets a lot of bad press. Almost entirely bad press. (laughs) Yes, but it's necessary if it's run well. You right know? and and it it and the fact that that they're a union now means that if they feel they're being underpaid, they you know there's going to be a contract with the company, and that's going to delineate how compensation is, and and how many you know, and how they can't exploit you or force you to work overtime or do all these other things that a lot of these companies are doing to uh, hurt the workers. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, if you're working for an Amazon esque kind of company form a union because they're not they're not treating you well and they don't give a shit about you, yeah.
1: I was really unpleasantly awakened about the the conditions at Starbucks mm. because they do such a great job of making it feel like this welcoming, very liberal kind of peace loving place, you know <laughs> <laughs> like it feels really comfortable and they kind of present that image but you know, finding out that people really were they were being forced to work in in ways that they never quite make enough hours to get any benefits and that you know like Amazon does that too. I'm glad to see people starting to step up and speak out about that too. Yeah. So in other news, uh (laughs) (laughs) so the Senate Judiciary Committee is voting today, Monday when we're recording for Katanji Brown Jackson in the Supreme Court. And it's what they're expecting is that no Republicans in this committee are going to vote for her, but all the Democrats will. So it'll be eleven, eleven. But that still isn't enough to override it. So that should be fine. Like so she then
2: should, she'll go to the full Senate,
1: right? Right, yeah. exactly. But they're sort of expecting that there's going to be. They're putting up some hurdles, I guess you could say. But it doesn't. You know, yeah. she's she's going
2: to be fine. And yeah, we we actually <laughs> right. my. My uh, my brother and I talk about that in the interview coming up uh, specifically, and and uh, I won't spoil that, but we do talk about it. <laughs> good, good, awesome. And the Grammys were on last night. I didn't know about it until this morning. And in the article I read, it led with a photo of John Batiste, who I love, with an arm, literal armful of Grammys. His album "We Are" One Album of the Year, and he also got married last month secretly. <laughs> Yeah, that I, I just, know that. N- yeah, <laughs> I just discovered that. And it's, it's beautiful and,
1: and powerful. And so his wife is uh, Salika, Salika Juad, I believe. Okay. Is her name. And she's a writer and an advocate and a most motivational speaker. She wrote Life Interrupted and she is dealing with leukemia. Mm. And I think her most recent book. She wrote a, a memoir about it called Between Two Kingdoms. And so he proposed to her and and said, you know, it was right before she had to go in for some procedure or something. And he was like, making sure she understood it wasn't like because of that, or he, yeah. it, was, it was like, he, this was in the works. He'd been working on this ring for like a month and <laughs> designing it and everything. And so, you know, it's really, it's a, it's an intense story and really lovely. And he's just amazing.
2: Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I, and I, I really, Colbert did a really nice job putting him in the band because I would have never heard of him otherwise. Yeah. And I also think that probably opened up huge amounts of opportunities for him. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I
1: love him. Every time he just makes me smile, like his music, his attitude, everything. Oh, about yes.
2: Him. Yes. And I, he did the music for the Disney cartoon or the Pixar cartoon Soul, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause that was, I mean I I remember I actually watched that movie twice and the first time or the, one of the times I just closed my eyes and didn't watch the cartoon the animation just so I could hear the music mm. and just concentrate on the music because the music was so so nice in that. You know congratulations. Congratulations absolutely.
1: <laughs> that is some cool news. And I just wanted to point out that we we ne- never have time to rest in the activism game, you know, <laughs> which we, we take our, we do rest. We should rest, but soon enough, it's time to get active again. And, nope. um, We've
2: been resting. Yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> because we know this is coming.
1: Exactly. So Vote Save America, it's the, well, what are they called? Crooked Media, who does Pod Save America and a lot of those podcasts that i try to keep up with. There's a lot of them now. They have a thing called Midterm Madness that they are getting in gear right now. And it's sort of, you know, it's like based on, like they're saying we're drafting you for Midterm Madness. So It's, it's cute. Like they do like a sports motif, but you know, they have people from each re- region, East, South, Midwest, and West, and things that you can join up and get, get things in your email to know what you can do each week i think they have a weekly thing right now i'm gonna i'm gonna really try to do this one I, I've, I, I signed so up I've... yeah yeah it looks good <laughs> so that very good 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 on you uh but i'm gonna put this link so a, a lot of people ask you know what can i do and it feels like it's all a drop in the bucket but when you know there's a concerted effort oh it's so, to yeah. focus on some of those races that are really important for us and in midterms.
2: we have in our in our in the podcast here we are planning in our next season starting over the summer to our next theme is going to be democracy because it's the midterms and we know how important this is and i will tell you right now the local politics scene here is heating up because our mayor who is a democrat our local mayor is up for re-election, and he will be challenged in the primaries because I've been signing people been coming around with uh, petitions to get on the, the primary ballot here wow. in Rahway. And, there could very well be can- local, very local candidates on the podcast <laughs> next season. So stay tuned. Um, That's going to be interesting. There's some stuff going on in my township too, <laughs>
1: which well, I, yeah. I didn't, I, I am actually just like really shamefully unaware of what all the different accusations back and forth. So I'm kind of <laughs> reading this going like, wait, what's happening? Oh my God. There's like a whole drama going on oh, with our always, mayor too so yeah there's, there's, always, there's always local drama always
2: local drama but the <laughs> thing is all politics are local politics because yes. whoever you're voting for for congress or senate or something like that started in your neighborhood mm-hmm. you know or the next town over or somebody who you vote for mayor right now is going to run for congress in a couple of years so and, and
1: just the level of things that happen in the schools right now you know school oh, board that and, and very oh local stuff i mean that's hugely important so Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to try to get a little more educated. It's like, I know I, I pay more attention to national and international things and you're right. You know, you start where you are and that's, yeah.
2: well, it's also, you know, I have, I, I discovered recently that one of my daughter's friends who used to be a neighbor, he used to live across the street and, and he's sort of vaguely a friend of ours too. Now, now that he's, I guess, around 30, it's not so weird to hang out with people over 50. He's suddenly on the dem- local democratic committee. So I'm dying to talk to him. <laughs> that sounds how, great. Absolutely. You know, so that like, Whoa, when did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> and our last story comes via uh, squirrel news which I found every time I see anything related to squirrels, it's like, I have to take note because I know Robin is very squirrel obsessed. Is that is obsessed a good word for that? No, I'm no. a
1: squirrel, <laughs> squirrel liking is, is is. I'm a squirrel liking hobbyist.
2: Okay. <laughs> okay. So that's why confused? I was, I was, if there are uh, a good news aggregator. <laughs> or a positive news aggregator so i've i'm going to subscribe to them to get some better news you know some happy news stories today's good news included the european union is calling for an end to fast fashion by 2030 they announced an expansion of their eco design rules that are starting with textiles but in the future these rules could include the right to repair and, using, and for manufacturing using recycled parts and new equipment and how much energy is in consu- is consumed in manufacturing and operations and things like that. And this quote is, by 2030, textiles placed on the EU market should be long-lived and recyclable, made to a large extent of recycled fibers, said the EU environmental commissioner, Virginius Sinkevicius. And I hope I'm pronouncing that name right. That's a great name. (laughs) (laughs) Whether it was said correctly or not, it's cool. And I think as of today, that's all the news we can handle. This podcast is sponsored by feminism. Are you tired of conforming to gender norms that don't really fit who you are? Have you been frustrated in meetings by having others repeat what you just said and have the room react as if it's the first time they'd heard it? Are your loan rates higher and your salary lower than the guy sitting next to you in the office? Are you unable to express your emotions without being ridiculed? Maybe it's
0: time to ask your doctor about feminism. Side effects might include empowerment, equal pay, respect, being seen, and being heard. Ask your doctor or therapist if feminism
2: is right for you. Or you can just decide for yourself. And now, back to our podcast.
1: Welcome to The Blanket Fort, and this is where Wendy and I sort of get comfy and talk about things that are really happening emotionally, stuff that we're dealing with. It's like sort of our personal time to retreat and relax and just reflect. So today we're thinking about, it was really on both of our minds, the the pandemic and where we are in it and how we're how we're coping, how we're, how, how we are, how, yeah. so how, 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 yeah. are, how, are, how are you?
2: <laughs> I, I am ambivalent. You know, my daughter went to Texas. She got on a plane with her boyfriend and they flew to Texas to visit his family. Like his mom and stepdad and brothers and sisters and there were birthdays and they've been doing parties and things. and, And I, you know, and I know she's very concerned about not getting sick. So I have to trust her that she is managing her exposures i know they took a couple of tests with them and i don't know if they needed them for after the plane ride or what i know we have we have like a stockpile of covid tests in the house at this point because of all of the free tests every time when they were offered a free test i would like glom onto all of them so we have a bunch of tests you know i went to the theater a couple of weeks ago to see my nephew's play which we interviewed him a few weeks ago and I went to a science fiction convention last weekend or two weekends ago. It's definitely toe in the water for me because I have left situations. I have started to feel uncomfortable in situations and I've left. My daughter had a gig, I guess, three, four weeks ago at a bar and we went there to support her band and Nobody except the wait staff was wearing masks. And I got so I couldn't stay. I stayed maybe five minutes. And it's like, I, and we were like away from everybody. And, it's like, and I, said to, I said to my husband, I said, no, I, I can't be in here. We have to go. And it was funny because a bunch of their friends who are mutual friends of ours went outside, you know, followed me outside. And we were t- having a nice conversation out in the parking lot you know, where it wasn't inside and I was okay with that. I am cautious. I mean, I have plans. I'm going to another convention in Baltimore at the end of the end of May. And, uh, you know, another one of my friends who is a hospital worker is expecting another spike in May. So she's not going to this convention. And I, I'm hoping we're not going to have another spike, but, We could, because people are, you know, it's warming up. We've been locked down for two years. So, okay, that's where I am. (laughs) Yeah, that's similar,
1: you know. I mean, I feel like I'm always balancing the, trying to find the balance between mental health and physical health. And, you know, obviously we want all of this health, (laughs) And I am also realizing that, like, really staying in that mode of, like, being super locked down, like we were for the first, like, 18 months or whatever of this was really just devastating in my, mentally for me. Yeah. Um, physically, actually, too. I just, my health went to bad places, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I guess I've been following suit a little bit just because so many things are opened back up. I'm not doing most of them. You know, like I'm not, I'm not just going to all the things that are happening because like, you know, my schedule could be so full of like fun stuff and <laughs> I'm mostly still trying to not notice that they're happening. Like I know Steely Dan is playing sometime soon and I haven't even looked cause I'm, it hurts me to not know, <laughs> <laughs> but there's like, like outdoor things. Maybe I will, I maybe should look at that. And maybe if they're doing an outdoor gig, that would be great. Cause they play those, you know, big, uh, the sheds as they call them in okay. the business <laughs> so maybe but I have some things planned I just did go to see um, Bad Wolves in Montclair because that's Doc Coyle's band he plays the guitar there in that band and we interviewed him a couple of years ago now it's been a while back yeah and that was that was good to see him and but I did you know I I was maybe one of five people wearing masks like you did have to show your show show that you had a negative test or a recent Vaccination were a negative test, mm-hmm. um, so that was good. But then no one did any other precautions, or almost no one, you know. Oh, no. so I was there. I I hung out as far as back as I could and away from people, which is what I've done when I when I've gone to. I went to the Devo thing in November. That was like my first big kind of group group uh, thing, you know. Um, so I just try to stay out of the way as much as possible and minimize contact and stuff, which is, you know, what we're doing. But coming up, I'm actually getting on a plane in May, which is a little wow. daunting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the Cruel World Festival okay. in Pasadena, which you know my old roommate wanted to go to and had we'd planned it. You know, I mean, more than a year ahead or something. It's been so long. <laughs> Decided to do it, and you know, I guess everyone. When you plan that far out, you're wishing and uh, and hoping and expecting it's going to be a lot better by then, which is not the case clearly. And we might be in a bigger spike. So I, I I guess, I mean, I'm committed to doing it. I'm going to get my next booster, which we can get now, which is good. So I'm going to get that soon. Mask up, maybe double mask on the plane. I have a friend who friends who double masked on the plane to go visit family. And just be as conscientious as I can. I think that's what, what it's coming down to. I feel like for the balance of mental and physical health, I want to be as strong as I can in terms of taking the precautions I feel are important mm-hmm. for my health and other people's health. Cause we're protecting all of us really, you know, right. I'll do tests if we need to take, I'm going to Seder actually. So that's going to be a small group, small group of people, but I will take a test before that and, make sure I'm feeling healthy and all of that. And that's coming up soon. That's the 15th, right? So, right. Next, you know, yeah. So there's stuff that's happening and the, the get, you know, flying is going to be a big thing for me because it, it feels very scary. Um, Yeah. I'm if, if, if it wasn't such a huge event, I might say I'm not quite, I'm not quite ready, but, I'm willing to be nervous and be courageous at the same time. I guess okay. you, say, you know, but I am thinking you did. You actually talked about the peer pressure around this stuff. Oh lately. yeah, and I that have. I'm, I'm really feeling that, and it's. I would say that in all but one instance, when, one time when I really wanted to be wearing a mask and I felt like the person would think I was stupid or something, and I didn't, and I was so. Why did I allow that? You know.
2: Yeah, that's, that's been actually, I, I, that was a topic I talked about in my therapy. <laughs> mm. And, and my therapist encouraged me to ignore the peer pressure and just do what I'm comfortable with and be good with doing things that I'm comfortable with and not what like some goober at the other side of the room is going to think about me. Mm-hmm. You know, don't worry. You know, sh- she's trying to instill that in me. It's not, I'm not there yet, but <laughs> it's a goal. It's a goal to work on. I'm also looking at, I, and I'm sure whoever's listening has their favorite COVID information hubs. I like COVID Act Now. They give you an overview of the entire country and you can break it down to counties to see, you know, where you're the vaccination rates and the risk levels and all of that stuff. And the entire Northeast is over 80% or more of vaccinated with one dose Um, where we are currently New Jersey as a state has a, what is that? 98% vaccination rate for the first dose and 75% for the second, which is nice. Pretty good. And as far as the the infection levels or the risk levels, and they also say risk is reduced for those who are vaccinated, the state is at orange, which is, I guess, the median. I haven't seen, we haven't been green um, as a state since, you know, for two years. The northern half of the state is orange. The southern half of the state is yellow, mm. which is a lower risk level. Yellow yeah, there's is just the fewer right people green. in yeah. a lot
1: of places. So yeah.
2: Right. Right. And, but yeah, it's like (sighs) Camden County is orange and Ocean County and everything north is orange. And the ones that are like, you know, Burlington and Atlantic, Cape May, Salem, Cumberland, they're all yellow. So you're in a lower risk area than I am. Right. Right. And I want all y'all to come here for Beltane. So, (laughs) (laughs) okay. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So yeah, I, I have had uh, just thinking about that whole like peer pressure thing. I think what I've done is to just make it automatic. Like if I'm walking into a building, I'm putting on a mask. Yeah, you know. And I had I took pause at at the um, St. Patrick's Day festival that I went to, where it was like I really wanted to go get a beer as one does (laughs) and and it was like it was looking crowded and stuff and like there were no no one had a mask on like Mm -hmm. at all you know and i was like well i could just not go in but then i was like i i would have it's part of the spirit that i feel like having and whatever so i did I, i put on a mask and i was like the only one walking through with one at all and thankfully like the bar itself was not super crowded so it was easy to like get a beer and then just Find my space. So there were areas that were right. outdoors where people were standing, you know? So,
2: you wouldn't have the to bus be- stop, right?
1: Right. The <laughs> bus stop. <laughs> there was actually a bar called the bus stop around here. <laughs> That's funny. You'll have to listen to our previous show to get the joke if you haven't heard it. <laughs> it was okay. I mean, I felt odd, but not terribly, not more, not terribly more odd, not honored than when. I go to a grocery store because that's becoming. You're becoming like definitely in the minority if you're wearing mm. a mask and shop right right now too. Yeah, and that's it's you know I don't I'm I'm feeling less comfortable, but I realize that people are people are going to do what is the mandated either mandated or like the norm, and a lot of people are just like oh we don't have to they they say we don't need them anymore, so they're just going yeah. with that, and and I think that's not entirely that's not the best choice but
2: yeah i had know. i had really hoped that the pandemic would in this country normalize people wearing masks if they're sick which is what people do in japan and china in, in asia you know the culture because the culture is more outward facing and it's more community focused you know, rather yeah. than individual focused and and I was really hoping we would get that, but uh, you know, we we're so polarized right now that that's not.
1: But some will. <laughs> I've seen added. people
2: talking about that too. Yeah, that they're well, like, you know what? I'm going to
1: keep wearing one, and yeah, and especially in the I, I like not getting the flu. I like not, you know. So
2: I think that's that. Would yeah, be- I, I don't know when I'm going to be comfortable eating in a restaurant. To tell you, you know, I mean, I will be going to a hotel, but it's like. The last convention we were at, we did a lot of, we did takeout and ate in our room Mm -hmm. because I was just not ready to be sitting in a room where, you know, where you're eating, nobody has masks on. And I'm not, I'm not ready for that yet. You know, it's, it's like, if I don't know you, if you're not in my, you know, if I don't know who you are, I don't know you. And I don't know what, germs are floating around your face. So right, right. <laughs> I, <laughs> and well, I'm going to try to have that. more social, I'm oh, sorry. I was, I'm just a little paranoid about that. That's all.
1: It's not unreasonable. You know, I mean, I've been in restaurants very rarely and I obviously try to, if it's super crowded, I, I, it's not something I'm willing to do. Yeah. I, I. I guess that's the way I'm dealing with it. It's just, I'm not doing, Any of the things on the scale that I ever would normally do. And if I can, you know, if I can do takeout, that's the best for sure. On occasion, I've been out, but only when it's like really low. And and my preference is always to be outside. If I can sit outdoors, that's really what I'm, that's the main social
2: life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now that the weather is supposed to be getting warmer, I I haven't. I've only seen minimal evidence of that. <laughs> It'll be easier to do to socialize outside. Right. And I'm looking forward to that.
1: But, outside. but so emotionally, how are you, are you like resigned to just sort of keeping social distance? Do you feel comfortable with it? Do you feel, you know, how was it for you?
2: Um, I was probably getting some hermit like tendencies before the pandemic because of, you know, working from home for four years before that and all of these other things. So it's really not a hardship for me to stay home. You know, I have other people living here, so it's not like I never see anybody. I think if I was like living alone, I, it would be a very different situation. Mm-hmm. I know that's putting a lot of pressure on the people that live in the house. Yeah, I've it's sort of been a a, you know, I maybe I would want to push away from becoming a recluse Which I could see happening (laughs) very easily Mm -hmm. so I would You know, I would make an effort to do certain social things Like I said, i'm starting to go back to the conventions. I used to go to I'm not doing as much socializing at the conventions as I would have in the past but it's a step and it's a process and I'm expecting, I mean, especially since my doctor is saying that this is going to be, that, that coronavirus is going to be another thing you basically need to get an annual vaccine for, like the flu, you know, and that's just going to be on the menu of the medical bullshit I have to go through because I'm not a young person anymore and and then it'll fade into the background like it is for the flu. You know, and I guess I can convince myself that it's that getting it isn't going to be that much worse than the flu if I get it, but I would prefer not to get it and I will be getting vaccinated as often as they let me and slowly I'm hoping my life will return to some sort of normal thing that includes visiting with other people and being in rooms with strangers. (laughs) Right. That's kind of, and, and I, I don't know if we're giving advice to people, it's like, think about what you're comfortable with and, and uh, do that and, and have the strength to, if you don't feel comfortable being maskless in a room full of maskless people, wear your mask and, and be the, be the mask person and maybe encourage somebody else to mask up too.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I wish I could say I'm feeling encouraged. Like this whole, you know, we sort of, as a culture, I guess, decided that this was not necessarily over, but that things are going to open up and move ahead, you know? And I'm wanting to be out a little bit more, as I said, just for my own well being. And I worry that we're being foolish. I do think that the United States has not dealt with this in the best way possible. And some people are trying really hard. Others are are, are really not, you know, we have a lot of political pressure to just be over it when that's not really what it's not really over, (laughs) you know? So I just hope that enough of us are doing enough of the right things. That's kind of what it's coming down to, because I don't, I can't stay, I do, you know, I can't stay alone in a room
2: forever. And you shouldn't, because that's, sh-
1: right. That's, that's,
2: yeah, it's like being in jail or, you know. <laughs> right, that's it's not good.
1: That's not good. You know, I read recently an article that really talked about how the way we've dealt with this is like the stupidest thing we ever could have done. And that and that the, the virus ages your, every time you get it, it ages your brain by 10 years and things that were really? like super like I could see the point, but it was also super alarmist, but it got into my head and I'm like, Oh my God, is that really? Like, I I, I don't know. I've never, I haven't read any evidence that was clear about that attribute of this. You know, I mean, Uh it could be one of the things that possibly happens, but is it something that's like routinely, I don't know. But basically this person was saying, so basically we're just deciding, to not give a shit and get this virus again and again until the end of time. And it'll just basically like the destruction of humanity. And (laughs) I'm like, I think that's, I think that's overstated, but it also got into my mind. Like, wow, are we even worse off than I, than I thought, but you know, which if that's, if that were really the case, then you would, you would lock. It can stay locked down until it really was gone, or was some. We had something yeah, but stronger. if not everybody
2: does it, it's never going to be gone. I, I know. I.
1: That's what I mean. So it's like that. It just got me into that. Well, a deeper sense of fear than I've had in a long time about it all. But
2: I, I, I just feel like I can do the
1: best I can do.
2: They also have treatments for it now, which right. they didn't have two years ago.
1: That's what you I You know think. like
2: if you do get sick, they have actual treatments whether you know whether your healthcare provider or your insurance company is going to foot the bill for that is a whole other issue. But there are treatments now. And I also think, you know, when you're thinking about it going away completely, think about how long it took for the the world to eradicate smallpox. Mhm. It took decades, right? decades and decades of a huge effort. And that did include vaccinating every fucking person. You know, uh, if you're over, I guess, 20 years old and you have like that little scar on your arm, that was uh, a big plot point in the Outlander series. That's oh. <laughs> it was because there was another time traveler who had that smallpox okay. vaccine scar. It's how she knew she was from the future. but you know there was a time where you got a smallpox vaccine and it left a little scar on your arm because that's what smallpox fucks up your skin and if you survive it that's it that is and it took it took vaccinating a couple of generations all over the world for years and years and years, and now smallpox only exists in, I think, two laboratories under very controlled conditions. Right. You know, the, so I don't see that happening for something like a coronavirus right. because they mutate so quickly. This COVID nineteen is is a, a souped up cold. You know, we get we get coronaviruses of various types. For all of all time, that's at any time you get a cold, you have a a coronavirus. Right, right. And I read uh, somewhere that having herpes, <laughs> there's an actual benefit to having herpes now because they there is a one study. I don't think it's been through peer review yet. I mean, that's another thing. It's a lot of this information they publish or they publicize before it gets properly peer reviewed and put in a real publication because this information is fast and they want to get it out in case it'll help people. And then it's going to, then eventually they'll peer review it and they go, well, this isn't exactly how this works. And then it gets pulled out. And then, right. and then the public has uh, a distrust of information, which is another problem. But um, yeah,
1: I mean, I wish that we could <laughs> distinguish between like having a conversation about what's in process. And this is like the, the hundred percent best, you know, scientific knowledge of, of yeah. the moment. Like there's a difference in, yes that gets in, lost
2: and and but what i had read was that if you have herpes either of either of the variants like simplex or a or b or whatever that it has kind of awakened your immune system hmm. to that kind of a virus and they're saying that your immune response if you're exposed to coronavirus and you already have herpes you're a little ahead of the game with training your immune system is what i read and that gave me a slightly good feeling <laughs> so, yeah right <laughs> a lot of people have herpes um i'm one of them and and uh you know and it's oh, there was no there was never any benefit to it at all except it would indicate to me that oh i'm having too much stress right now right <laughs> that would that it would be a it. good
1: indicator of like <laughs> fuck out right <laughs> But yeah, that's, that's good. That's interesting information. We don't know what's, you know, Yeah, I don't know really if out about it. But. no,
2: no. And I, and I don't recommend like giving yourself herpes to avoid getting coronavirus. That's not, don't do that.
1: No. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, I guess that's what it comes down to. It's like, try, I, I want to try my best not to get ill at all and do the right thing if I ever do. And Mm-hmm. Hopefully not, but make sure, you know, I don't know. I'm just, I feel invulnerable, I guess is what it is. It's like, I'm going to move on with life with caution and the shit is out there and that's, you can't do much about that. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So it's uh it's a weird place to be, especially as it's kind of, we're in that new topsy turvy, like, is it going to, are the numbers going up again? But so by the time I'm, going to <laughs> California it's like sky high. I, who knows but I can yeah. I I can't freak out about it
2: yeah it's you know for for me for the convention over Memorial Day you know I bought the tickets the convention tickets I might have to eat the cost on but if I decide if shit goes south in the next two months I can cancel at a hotel reservation within days mm. and not and decide not to go and just be out the you know, the ticket prices yeah but i am uh, so far i'm planning to go and we'll see we'll see what happens it also i have to review their their current covid policy because i know the convention i was at before required masks unless you're in the restaurant mm. plus proof of vaccination and and that was regardless of what the state mandates were because the state had dropped the mask mandates before this convention. But the convention said, no, nope, we're keeping this is how it is here. Yeah. And I was comfortable Good. with that. Yeah. That helps. Well, all right. <laughs> thanks for checking
1: in deeper with me yeah. about all this.
2: And we'll, uh, we'll if, get, you're we'll li- if you're listening to this and you want to uh, have a conversation about this, talk to us on Facebook or on our website. We'd love to hear your your opinions and on tweet,
1: this stuff. And tweet at us. I want yeah. that too. Not as often as I want to be, but I would like to have some real conversations yeah. on these places, so absolutely.
0: Yo, what up? This is the poet known as Analysis. And you're listening to The Leftscape, the Shape of Progressive Conversation. This is what you need. Don't miss an episode.
2: I am very happy to be here today with David Schwartz, who is a professor of constitutional law at the University of Wisconsin, and he has the unique distinction of being my brother. So welcome, David, and it's really great to have you back on the show.
0: Thanks. I'm glad to be here.
2: And uh, the reason I asked you back here today is because we have, you know, a bunch of <laughs> legal questions regarding freedom that that we've been uh, really wanting to have, you know, someone with a legal perspective instead of me just, you know, talking out of my ass and which I've been doing all season. And as you may or may not know, this current season is our theme is freedom. And if you could, could you explain to us how the understanding in the United States of the concept of freedom, how has it changed over time?
0: I think the main thing is that the original constitution didn't even have a bill of rights. That was something that was added in the first 10 amendments a year after the constitution was ratified. So the initial understanding of the constitution was that freedom was going to be protected by democracy, basically by, by representative government. And starting with the bill of rights, there was an added emphasis on individual rights, though those didn't really take off until the 20th century Hmm. after the kind of uh, the the crackdowns on dissenters during and after World War I. And then, yes, and and then at that point, the idea of really enforcing freedom of speech in the First Amendment started to take off, and I think that slowly launched a, a uh, a century of progress in developing the idea of individual rights under the constitution
2: i I want to know a little bit more about what they were doing during World War I because this is news to me <laughs> were they the, the government was actually let, not letting people talk about if the if they were anti war or pro what, what what was happening
0: It would be things like uh locking up uh, people who were speaking out against the war. Uh, on the theory that it would be interfering with the draft. You know, at this time, also, you've got the Russian Revolution is beginning. And so we have our first anti-communist Red Scare. (laughs) Oh, wow. Toward the end of World War One and and the immediate aftermath of that. And so um, the federal government and a lot of states passed laws that would make it a crime to advocate the overthrow of the government and as these laws were being enforced the first amendment was used really for the first time as a defense
2: hmm wow against wow. prosecution interesting i yeah this was news to me wow and my next question for you is which freedoms are actually in the constitution and which aren't and i and i'm and i guess i need to clarify If there's freedoms in, I I want to make sure the constitution actually includes, when I talk about, when I say the constitution, I mean the constitution and the amendments to the constitution. Sure. Okay.
0: And I think you're onto something here because I think it's really useful to think about the constitution in two related but different ways. Okay. There's the constitution in writing you know, it's the text of the Constitution that you can pick up and read. And there's the Constitution in practice. And and by the Constitution in practice, I mean how ways that it's interpreted by courts that aren't necessarily written into the text and ways that our cultural understandings about what freedom means in the United States really have life and impact on government, even though they're not written, it, written down. Hmm. And so if you look at the constitution in writing, there aren't that many freedoms that are spelled out. Really? Well, yeah, which, so, which ones are, are actually spelled out? Okay, so basically you've got the Bill of Rights, so, you know, you have the First Amendment, which protects free speech and free exercise of religion. A Second Amendment, you know what that is. That's uh, <laughs> the right to bear arms. The, the Fourth Amendment is the right to be free from unreasonable searches and seizures. And then, you know, the rest of it is the individual rights that are spelled out are mostly about the criminal law process, the right to trial by jury, the right to be free from unreasonable punishments in the Eighth Amendment. And so a lot of the constitutional rights that people are really focused on today, such as the right to uh, obtain an abortion, are not spelled out in the Constitution, but they're interpreted in words like liberty that do show up in some of the amendments, in the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments, Hmm. which guarantee the right to life, liberty, and property, or that those shall not be taken without due process of law. So a lot of rights in constitutional law kind of get filtered into the constitution or channeled into the constitution as interpretations of that word, liberty.
2: Mm. And I also thought like specifically the abortion Roe v. Wade, that case, I thought it also brought in a right to privacy. Wasn't that part of their argument?
0: Yes. So the, the right to an abortion is one aspect of the right to privacy but the the bill of rights the word privacy doesn't show up in the constitution again that was an interpretation oh wow uh, um, this dates back to a case in the 1960s when there was a challenge to a law in Connecticut that made it a crime to use contraceptives and uh, even for married couples to do this yeah and um the court said that's unconstitutional because there's a right to privacy. And there were different theories about where that came from. Some of the justices said, well, it's kind of implied because when you look at what the first amendment means, and when you look at, you know, religion, we protect religion, that's kind of a private decision and the right to be uh, free from unreasonable searches. That's a right that you have to privacy in your home. And so that all implies that there's this right to privacy. Well, that theory ended up kind of petering out. And it got replaced by just saying the right to privacy is part of what we mean by liberty. Mm. And we say that the government can't deprive a person of liberty without due process of law.
2: Okay. So they folded privacy into the term liberty at that point.
0: Yes, exactly.
2: And this is also why I have been reading in recent times that if Roe v. Wade gets overturned like everybody's afraid is going to happen that's also going to it's like a domino that's going to fall and then and then it's like what you were talking about the the right to purchase contraception and the right and i think even loving versus virginia is also like in danger so interracial marriage a lot of these things like if Roe v. Wade goes away that all of these other things are going to automatically go away if depending i guess well, on the theory I
0: don't know you know that's a good question i I think that having roe v versus Wade overturned is scary enough without thinking about <laughs> dominoes falling or a parade of horribles i um you know Justice Barrett during her confirmation hearings didn't want to commit herself she you know she would not go on record as saying that Roe versus Wade was safe, but she did say that. Griswold versus Connecticut, that's the contraceptive case from the the mid-1960s. She says overturning that is very, 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 very unlikely. I I think she said the word very like five (laughs) or six times. And I think that's probably the case. So I don't think that overturning Roe versus Wade leads to these other things that you're talking about. Okay, But I do think that roe versus wade itself is a hugely important right and that is definitely under threat at this Oh moment. yeah.
2: Yes, agreed, agreed. And and it was it in New Jersey they explicitly you know, they explicitly wrote a woman's right to an abortion into either it was either a law or they wrote it into the state constitution because cuz legal abortions in New Jersey locally in our in my state are was like hanging on Roe v. Wade. And if that went away, then other things would cause it to not be legal suddenly. So they said, you know what, we're going to just ensconce this in our local laws. So it's not, we're not going to worry what the government, do- the feds do.
0: It's a great example of how our federal system is such a double-edged sword when it comes to rights. So sometimes you've got states that are regressive when it comes to rights. You've got the Jim Crow South for example historically and the federal government is more progressive and enacts legislation promoting civil rights uh, you have the federal constitution saying you know requiring equal protection of the laws and that makes uh, race discrimination by states illegal on the other hand sometimes the states are more progressive and the example you, you just gave is a perfect example if If the um, Supreme Court overrules Roe versus Wade, they're not saying abortion is illegal, of course. What they're saying is that states are then free to make it illegal. Yeah. And so you have uh, the state of New Jersey saying, no, we're going to enshrine this right in our Constitution. So what it tells us is that a a lot of the, as a general rule, when there's a, a right in the federal Constitution, that's a floor. And states can be more protective of rights than the federal constitution is.
2: Mm. And I guess this kind of dovetails into my next question. I was thinking specifically about Florida, the, the new don't say gay bill, which is not really what it's called, but it's the one restricting what can be taught in their public schools. And I think Texas recently passed some really shitty things. And I keep thinking, are these not, are these violating the constitution in some way? I mean, can they be challenged on a constitutional basis?
0: That's another really good question. And <laughs> the, the don't say gay law, which I think is, you know, perfectly descriptive for the law that's being considered. It's, it's an example of this new fad of trying to restrict what can be said in in public schools, you also have these so-called uh, anti-critical race theory laws uh, in several states that are saying you can't teach anything that's going to make somebody feel bad about race discrimination or feel like they, you know, that they that they should feel bad about race discrimination. <laughs> and and um, you know, so these things are all kind of of a piece. And so that's a great question about whether they violate the constitution or not, uh, you know, just off- offhand, it seems like, well, I mean, first of all, they're really stupid. Laws, <laughs> but second of all, not every stupid law is unconstitutional, uh, unfortunately. Oh. But, you know, we rely on, on the democratic process to, pr- you know, as a protection against those. And sometimes that doesn't work. But the question then is, it seems, you know, at first glance, like those should violate the freedom of speech, but it's a little more complicated than that because the first amendment looks very different and works very differently in different settings. Mm. If you had a law that says you can't say gay in a newspaper op-ed or, you know, at a political rally, that would clearly violate the first amendment. But schools are not one hundred percent free speech zones. That's the issue there. Yeah, um, the the rights to free speech exist in schools, but they're somewhat more limited, and so the law isn't completely clear. Mm.
2: Yeah, I, I kind of remember the the it's not a free speech zone more it that it mostly that in my remembering and my experience it it more it focused more on the students rather than the teachers. And it was a way, I guess, to limit what the students could write about and, and talk about in official school publications. And, and it's like now they've taken that premise and turned it on to the teachers now. I want you to weigh in a little bit on because I think I think specifically that Florida law and possibly the other the other ones about, you know, the anti-critical race theory. laws elsewhere which i haven't been following as closely that they all have this avenue for citizens to kind of take their their it's like vigilante stuff like the texas abortion law that came that so they're they're like found a loophole is that what this is is it is it a loophole for for these ridiculous laws to get passed and, and for them to be to you know, to like sue the schools or, or make life difficult for these institutions from the pub, you know, from private citizens.
0: So what you're calling the vigilante laws, which I think is a good description of them in this particular context, have a long history and it's not all Hmm. bad. In contrast to, you know, to other governments, you know, in spite of what you may think, that the federal bureaucracy is relatively small compared to a lot of um, you know, to European countries, for example. And for a long time in our legal history, we've had laws that rely on private enforcement. And so, for example, somebody who is the victim of race discrimination or sex discrimination in employment you know, somebody who is sexually harassed on the job, for example, instead of going to the government and saying, please, you know, bring a case to protect me. We have that option, but we also have the option of that person herself can get a lawyer and go to court and bring her own case. And, And that's sometimes called a private attorney general statute. And so the idea is that when you empower private citizens to enforce the laws, you're doing, you know, if the law is a good one, that's a good thing. You're just going to get more enforcement than if you relied entirely on a government official to bring the case. Well, these recent laws are taking that good idea and turning it to, you know, to evil purposes. That's the problem with some, you know, with effective tools, they can be, you know, they can be used for good or ill. Okay. And so, so now we've got that with um, you know, with these laws uh, restricting school speech, and with this uh, the Texas abortion law, mm. and so it's very problematic. Yeah. Well, what is it exactly? You know, so people. Um, the Texas abortion law is kind of confusing, and there's been it's hard to kind of read a news story about it and understand exactly in what way it's a loophole. Oh, okay. And it's not it's not a way that can overrule Roe versus Wade in itself. What it does is it, it simply delays well it's it's it delays the ability of courts to step in and say the law's unconstitutional. So what Texas does is they it's they've got a two a two-prong approach. The first prong is they're going to restrict abortions to you know the first 12 weeks of pregnancy or something like that. And then you know they'll say, and and, and anybody who is in any way involved in helping someone get an abortion, you know, can be sued by a third party, you know, who has nothing to do with that case. They just, oh, they, you know, they're, they're going to just enforce the law. So what does that third party lawsuit provision do? What it does is that can't be challenged, that law can't be challenged until somebody brings one of those lawsuits against somebody who who got an abortion or helped a friend get an abortion, or a doctor who advised an abortion, or something like that. Well, mm. you know, the problem then is people are afraid of being sued before the case is brought. And so right. it will have this deterrent or chilling effect on people getting abortions, even if nobody ever brings a lawsuit, because the threat that somebody might bring a lawsuit is hanging over everybody's head. But then you have the U.S. Supreme Court saying, but we can't consider whether this law is constitutional until somebody does bring a lawsuit. So it's a law that has its intended effect without ever actually being put into effect. And and its legality can't be challenged until it is put into effect with a lawsuit.
2: Wow. Thank you for explaining that. I mean, that also, I think, is the kind of it's that's going to have the same effect as the don't say gay bill. You know that the teachers right. are going to self-censor themselves to avoid a lawsuit from a from a third party or from a parent.
0: True, and then of course, it, in it, you know, and and then there'll be plenty of school districts where the school administrator will be more than happy to to discipline or fire that teacher too. You know, so it isn't just a law that the "Don't Say Gay" bill isn't entirely dependent on. Uh, you know, angry parents bringing lawsuits.
2: Oh, great. Okay. Uh, All right. Um, So let's uh, change gears for a second and talk about a little other different current events. Where do you think things are heading in the current Supreme court? And if you want to talk a little bit about the judge Jackson hearings that ended this week, that would be cool too.
0: Okay. As a law professor, I don't have any special insight into how senators are going to vote. I know as much as anybody who reads the newspapers, it sounds like she's going to get confirmed uh, that she'll get the 50 Democratic votes and Susan Collins and maybe one or two other Republican senators. So she will be confirmed. Good. And um, as far as her performance in the Senate hearings, I think she did great in handling (laughs) a lot of provocative, aggressive, sometimes stupid questions that were, you know, political theater. um, Yeah. On the, you know, grandstanding on the part of uh, Republican senators. She's a highly qualified jurist. And, you know, in in living memory, we had somebody like Justice Scalia, the late Justice Scalia, who became a highly polarizing figure on the Supreme Court. He was uh, confirmed, I believe it was 98 to 0. Wow. And it just shows how, you know, that oftentimes these confirmation votes have so much more to do with the current political environment than they do with the qualifications of the particular nominee.
2: Hmm.
0: But you know the the court is destined to be conservative for a long time. I mean that's the the unavoidable reality. The with Justice Breyer's retirement, a replacement with uh, Jackson, the oldest person on the court is I believe it's uh, Sam Alito, who's 73. Clarence Thomas is 71. You know justices uh, in recent years serve have typically served well into their 80s. So we'll get. We could easily get ten or twelve more years of of the two of them. Mm. Uh, the three Trump appointees are all in their early fifties. We could have thirty years of each of them. So <sighs>
2: that's terrifying.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless uh, you know, in the and we ha- also have this this uh, new precedent. Basically, the the Republican Senate majority under Mitch McConnell kind of broke the system in which. You know the president gets to not you know to appoint a supreme court justice even if it's a president of the opposite party the democratic uh, senate confirmed you know all of ronald reagan's nominees eventually just as a uh, same with george w bush but you know what we saw in the last year of the obama presidency was this this idea that if you know the republicans have a majority in the senate they're not going to confirm any democratic nominee and so you know what this tells us is that it will be difficult to appoint a democratic uh, justice to the supreme court unless there is a vacancy at a time when there is a democratic majority in the senate and a democratic president in the white house
2: that's crazy that makes me very upset, but what are we going to do? I also recently discovered that apparently for the first 127 years of our country, they didn't go through this whole voting and, and vetting process, that it was sort of just a, a rubber stamp and that and was only in, when they needed to confirm Brandeis that they started with this questioning stuff. Is that actually true?
0: Not quite. There, okay. um, there were Supreme Court nominees. Uh, nominations have always been political. Uh, there have been justices who have been um, rejected in the past, uh, in the nineteenth century.
2: Okay, it was a tweet I saw. So you know, this is why I'm checking.
0: Okay. <laughs> Having said that, like I said, that um, there there wasn't this idea that a majority of one party would categorically refuse to confirm a nominee from a president of the other party. That's new. That's new and and very different. Uh, Usually some kind of compromise could always be struck. But so, you know, that's, it's an interesting question about how, whether this new precedent will just be the new normal, or whether it is just a phenomenon, a temporary phenomenon of a highly divided, politically divided partisan situation that we have, you know, over the last 10 years or so.
2: Yeah. Well, do you think we're going to become less partisan going forward?
0: Well, it's hard to see that in the foreseeable future.
2: Yeah. Well, I, yeah, maybe not in our lifetimes, I guess, (laughs) kind of thing. Uh, And my final question for you today is, what are the avenues available for making change and that I'm thinking more in terms of individual action. If you, I mean, uh, I guess, I guess another question would be, do you think that Biden will try to increase the bench? I mean, I, I kind of am doubting that now because I guess if he was going to do that, he would have
0: started already. <laughs> And are you talking about the Supreme court bench? Yes. Yes.
2: Specifically. Yes.
0: Right. So there had been, there had been some talk about a, a so-called court packing plan. The idea would be to increase the number of justices so that there would be more openings for a democratic president with a democratic majority in the Senate. But that idea did not go very far. And I think, it would have required a high degree of determination and political will on the part of a bare democratic majority you know 50-50 in the senate with a tie yeah. vote by the by the vice president and you know it was as we've seen with other aspects of biden's uh, legislative agenda you know Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema have um not gone along with a lot of it they were never going to go along with a court packing plan so that was really never going to happen i think realistically and it okay. wasn't even clear that biden was um was particularly committed to doing that
2: ah all right all right i was that was my my little fantasy but i i do understand you know we we had a pandemic and all kinds of other crazy stuff for the last two years and now there's all this other insanity going on but anyway what are the things that like a regular citizen can do to help make changes to like fix things (laughs) fix all of this broken shit
0: (laughs) i think i think what's clear is that the supreme court is not going to fix fix it, as you put it. That the kinds of rights that we've been talking about are not going to be protected by the Supreme Court. But I think as you also seen that, look at what New Jersey did with abortion rights, that it's the Supreme, we shouldn't have to rely on the Supreme Court all the time. That the political process can do as much as probably more than the Supreme Court can to protect rights. They can do it by passing laws. States can do it by amending their constitutions. I, I won't say amend the federal constitution because that is virtually impossible in a highly polarized partisan environment since you need three-fourths of the state legislatures to ratify any uh, constitutional amendment. But yes. But laws can be passed. And so there needs to be you know, stronger legislative majorities backing up a president who is interested in protecting rights. So really that happens through voting and, and through protest if need be.
2: Okay. Well, thank you. This was, this was very elucidating and, and I appreciate very much your being here today and, and explaining our government to us.
0: Okay. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Great talking with you.
2: Yes. Thank you. You got questions? We got answers. And today's question is from one of my best self icebreaker decks. And I don't remember which one. These are decks of cards with lots of questions to prompt discussions and arguments and whatever uh and this question is have you been told you look like someone famous if so who was it and i will let robin go first sure so (laughs) i am trying to think about the
1: different people that i've been likened to but the main one that i think of is it's tina turner (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is really funny. And basically what it is, is that whatever my hair looks most like, whoever's hair I it, look, it looks most similar to is who I got oh, man. likened to. So <laughs> when my hair was like spiky and kind of, you know, looking like hers in the, in the eighties or whatever, that's people would say that to me <laughs> in college. and And I'm like, I clearly don't look anything like <laughs> Tina Turner, <laughs> but you know, I would have weird hair sometimes. So that was, that was it. Yeah, and and other than that I I'm sort of more like into people because of like the music I'm playing. Like Tr- Tracy Chapman was another one. If I <laughs> so if I have a guitar, I look like well not that I look like her, but people would be like, "Oh, can you play Fast Car?" you know. Uh, but, uh, whatever.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the hair, the hair is that's that's like that's how people decide who you look like. Uh-huh. Cuz when I was a kid In the six, in the seventies, and I had these long braids. Everybody was saying, "Oh, you look like Cher," which I find this entire thing hysterical because I have actually been compared to Cher more than that. But it was mostly because of the hair and the braids and the big nose. But uh, because I had really the shape of my face is not like hers at all. But the really funny thing is, I can sing like Cher. I could do a vocal impersonation of her, and I got paid to do it for this stupid thing. And the, the really funny thing is he needed somebody to do a Tina Turner song. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the Tina Turner share thing is
1: really cracking me up right now because that's that. funny. I don't know if I can do her voice. I can do BG voices. <laughs> so if anyone needs a Barry Gibb, maybe they can hire me.
2: <laughs> yeah. I just don't want to have her. have to sing the word patch hog anymore. Oh gosh. <laughs> Cuz it was it was I was singing a parody of believe and I think there was an old version of this podcast where I actually put the recording on it. I don't remember. I which I was it vaguely
1: is. remembering. Yeah. That. I was like,
2: "Oh yeah." Yeah, yeah. And and it was for the Verizon sales group in Pat, in Hog, <laughs> which that word does not sing well. No. <laughs> That's
1: great. That was a good question. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for listening today. And I am Robin Renee. You can find me on Facebook at Robin Renee Fan or Instagram at Robin Renee Music and on Twitter at Spirit Rock Sexy. And if you're on Discord, you can hit me up
2: as Andrew Genus. And I'm Wendy Sheridan. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Wendy Cards, on Twitter at Wendy Designs, and on Etsy at Wendy Cards with a Z. And on Discord as Voxwoman, because, you know, branding everything the same is really important. <laughs> yeah, I realized that too late, too, but whatever. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, and remember, you can always reach out to us on social media at Leftscape. Send us your questions, and we might answer it on an upcoming show. So until next time, be well, mask up, and keep left. You've been listening to the Leftscape podcast. Sound engineering by Wendy Sheridan. Show notes by Robin Renee. Fake sponsor messages by Ariel Sheridan. Web hosting by InMotion. Remote recording by Squadcast. If you like what you hear, please share it with your friends. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Leftscape. Become a patron of our show for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com/leftscape. Thanks for listening.